1: The Race for the Ring, episode 132, Simple Pleasures, with Katherine Drysdale. Welcome to The Race for the Ring, the podcast about dating and embracing self-love and inner confidence. I'm your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, two-time author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and soon-to-be psychotherapist. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In an age of online swiping and in-person meetups, I found the world of love and lust has been a confusing place to be. So each week, we will chat with a different dating king or queen, socialite, or relationship expert and explore the many facets of dating today and come up with our clear plan on how to find the finest, fish in the sea. Ready, set, go! Hey everybody, welcome back to The Race for the Ring. Today's episode is literally the gift that keeps on giving. I have a very, very juicy and spicy conversation to share with you. I spoke with Catherine Drysdale, who basically is a mental health mindset and sex expert. So she's a life coach and she specializes specifically in helping her clients become one with their sexuality. Among a lot of other uh, mental health um, circumstances, but for the art, for the purpose of this conversation and this show, we hone in specifically on sex: how women. Um Especially, can achieve an orgasm on their own with their partner, how their partners can achieve orgasm for their female partners, um, the ins and outs of orgasms. There's apparently, I think she said, 14 different types of orgasms you can have. She's had 22 in a row. Um, very, 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 very interesting conversation. Um, so as I mentioned, Catherine teaches all about pleasure, intimacy, communication, dating, sex etc etc through her private coaching and online workshops she also conducts a lot of group programs and certainly is um, all over the place on a variety of social media channels in a nutshell she just believes that everyone's worthy of experiencing pleasure and she wants to spread her wealth of knowledge to ensure that the masses live their best life so without further ado we're going to get right to it with Catherine. to the race for the ring. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So let's get right into it. How did you find this niche um, specifically in like sexual psychology of, if you will, and coaching and all of that good stuff? I know that's not technically like what you call yourself, but I am just, uh, it, it's obviously part <laughs> yeah. of it, right? It's all in our minds and our bodies are all connected. So how did you how did you find this path? And tell us a little bit about what you do with your clients if you can kind of break it down.
0: Sure, totally. So, I
1: like to call myself a sex and relationship coach. And part
0: of why I got into this field actually is because of my own journey (laughs) through it. A lot of it's related to my mental health and my own mental health journey. A lot of it's related to my experience with trauma and a lot of challenges. And so, throughout my life, I was someone who was in and out of therapy. I was someone who started my career in entertainment and I had a mental breakdown in what year was that 2017 to where I Mm. had to fully leave my job. Part of that was I was re triggered by a sexual assault that occurred in college that I didn't have the resources to heal. And what I did was try to focus on, okay, coming back to myself, figuring out my purpose. And what I realized my purpose was, was when I went back to school, I thought I was going to get an MBA. I was in this digital marketing, personal branding class. I wanted to make my dog Instagram famous, <laughs> that was my intention with the class. And the first day of class, the professor said, there's a difference between having influence and having impact. And that was the light bulb moment that I needed. To realize, okay, I've been through all of this bullshit in my life
1: yeah, in order yeah. to
0: help others heal. Like, I went through this whole roller coaster of, you know, depression, anxiety, being suicidal, experiencing sexual mm. trauma, experiencing like challenges in my family, in my relationships, and navigating like eating disorders, so many things that I've experienced. I realized all of this didn't just happen. <laughs> for nothing. It happens so that I can help others heal too. And yeah. so through that, that's when I first got into coaching. I started my coaching career in life coaching. That's when I was supporting people, figuring out their purpose. But what I realized is it went so much deeper than that. So then that's when I wanted to explore more of subconscious, explore more of the mindset, the psychology, like why we are the way we are, understanding trauma, Part of that was so I could understand myself better, so that I could help others understand themselves better and actually heal because I I didn't want it to take other people 10, <laughs> 10 plus years to heal from their stuff. If, yeah. if there was a oh, way for yeah. me to help them quicker, I'm like, that's, that's what I'm here to do. And so mm-hmm. through that journey, I was focusing a lot on healing trauma and supporting people through that. But what kept coming up is like the sexuality piece. And mm-hmm. I, I was someone who was very sexually explorative from a young age, but that's just because I wanted to explore. It wasn't because I was taught about sex. It's not because mm-hmm. I was taught about pleasure and that my pleasure matters. And especially a lot of my clients are women and they come to me because they are not feeling confident in the bedroom, or because they're not experiencing pleasure. Some of them have never had an orgasm at all, or can only That's orgasm so sad. by themselves. I know and that it happens. Sad. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's so it's so common. But a lot of it's because we're not taught about our bodies. We're not taught <laughs>
1: about our. No, it's we're not... you're almost bad about... I mean, I am. I'm like shy when it
0: comes to stuff like that. Yeah. 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 like I I even have personal friends who've never had an orgasm before. And it's just, for me, it feels so disempowering. It's like we as just people in general, as we're sexual creatures and we're supposed to be. And a lot of it's the shame and stigma, whether it's like cultural, Mm -hmm. whether it's just Mm -hmm. conditioning from how we're raised, whether it's, just like society in general and all the messaging that we get on how all the different ways we're supposed to change ourselves and our bodies in order to be desirable when in reality it's like the most empowering thing you can do is like learn about your pleasure learn how to give yourself the pleasure and that ends up having a domino effect in relationships and how you relate to your partners and how you experience sexual experiences with your partners too so it's like it's all very related but it all comes back to pleasure and, like, learning your body
1: and discovering your body and figuring out what it is you like. That's great. So, so obviously, your clientele ranges. But on average, would you say, what are some of the most common problems? Like, is it middle-aged women who are maybe transitioning from a relationship? Maybe they're divorced or um, – is it women that aren't married and they're just they're not satisfied or they never were satisfied in the relationship or it doesn't necessarily have to be heterosexual it could be either way obviously um can you give us a couple scenarios of some of the more common factors that your clients are dealing with okay totally
0: um yeah i'd say right now most of my One on one clients are women and women in relationships. And a lot of them also experience uh, anxiety. So anxiety just in general, but it definitely correlates to how they interact with their partner. It's a lot of communication. It's If they're not feeling confident and communicating in other areas of your, their relationship, of course, it's also translating to the bedroom. So typically they come to me wanting to experience more sexual satisfaction because they're either not satisfied at all, or they feel like they don't have intimacy and they're not able to connect with their partners physically, or it's there, but they want to make it better. But it all comes back down to communication.
1: <laughs> and that's yes. what a lot of people don't so, realize. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what are some of the things at least you start with with your, with your clients in terms of getting them on the right track to success?
0: Yeah. So typically with the client, what we do is we start with sort of taking an inventory of how they define pleasure, how they define Mm -hmm. sex, how they define intimacy and then figuring out like what are key experiences that have happened in their past that shape their present moment a lot of what i do too is guiding them through i have this like worksheet that i've (laughs) done literally every single one of my clients walking through understanding their triggers understanding like the context behind it what they're making it mean how they've acted in the past how they want to act in the future And then we also do like emotional regulation techniques like emotional freedom technique i really love because it's so helpful for people who do experience anxiety because we're able to go from the disempowered state into the more empowered state and it's a tool that they can use their own when we're outside of a session, too, just to help them feel good. So, even though sex and relationships is like the thread throughout, a lot of the times we go a lot deeper. A lot of the times we end up finding trauma beneath the surface yeah. that maybe they didn't yeah. even know existed because the subconscious was blocking it. So a lot of it, we, we peel back a little layers first. And then yeah. <laughs> that's when we get into like, okay, sex, like let's talk about, okay, how can you enhance intimacy? How can you create more novelty in your sexual experiences? How can you move it away from the bedroom and in other areas? How mm-hmm. can you connect with your partner in a way that doesn't necessarily lead to sex, right?
1: Because we mm-hmm. think about
0: it has to be sexism, it's penetration, like but it does to be. Yeah, 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 totally.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so great and so important for for sure. We all need that. That I mean it's proven science, right? Everybody mm-hmm. needs to have some sort of level of intimacy in their lives and feel like other human connection, you know, 100%. in a variety of different levels. Um so through one's life, there obviously there's different ebbs and flows in terms of sexual drive and things of that nature. Do you help your clients kind of like navigate that? Because sometimes they people are confused by that, right? Can you Mm -hmm. share a little bit about that, what that looks like? Yeah, so it's funny. Last
0: year, I started going viral on TikTok because of that. Exactly, because I was talking about desire discrepancy in relationships and how common it is. And it's interesting because a lot of people don't realize that it's not... (laughs) It's not normal to have the exact same libido your entire life, right? <laughs> and throughout your relationship. yeah. I'd be called just your- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, but like it's, well, it's, it's like so if funny. you had a sex drive, that you, I mean, for me, like when I was probably like 19, I think it was like the highest it's ever been. But I'm 49 now, so it's, I mean, it's still. For, I think I'm healthy in that way, but it's not what it was when I was 19. All right, go ahead. Totally energetic. Totally. And
0: <laughs> totally. And like that's totally okay because throughout our lives, just with our age, with our hormones, with stress levels, with medications yes. we're on, with Exhaustion. like how we're <laughs> communicating with our partners. If there's other things going on in the relationship, if you're not feeling like your other needs are being met too, like, of course, that's going to impact your desire to want to have sex. And I think an important thing to understand too with our libido and our desire to have sex is that typically we fall in one or two categories. One is responsive desire, where it needs to be a... Of like curated experience, right? Like everything needs to be right in order for us to want to connect in that way, which right. means like no laundry in the corner, <laughs> no to do, yes, list in that's your me, you no know, like, yeah. dishes in this thing, and like yes, all of these things to be, like, in our very, perfect zone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. And a lot of a lot of us fall in this category, which isn't good. Um, but go ahead, yeah it's not it's not good, but it's just it's the reality versus yeah. some people operate in a more spontaneous desire to where it doesn't matter what the context is they're ready to go, and it's funny like i personally i'm someone who most of the time is spontaneous desire I can go like just the hum of the washing machine can get me going. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But now, you know, with life, with stress, with working a business, with traveling, all of this, it's like, "Mm, I don't even masturbate on a daily basis anymore. And it's like, oh, okay, what's the season of life? And so it's giving people permission to understand like what season they're in, focusing on other ways of connection, right? Because that's important too. But also knowing that like, the frequency of sex that you're having in your relationship, like that is about you and your relationship, period. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter what, how often your neighbor is having sex, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we put the time to focus on ourselves – And I think really focusing on ourselves, like I am a huge supporter in self-pleasure within a relationship. I think it's so important because it gives you an opportunity to meet your own needs, to Mm -hmm. rediscover or maybe discover for the first time what you actually enjoy. Whether that's exploring new toys, using different lubes, watching porn to see if there's any fantasies you want to bring into real life, and also it's it's just a way of self care. Like I like to view self pleasure and masturbation as like this is like my ten step skincare routine. That is like mm-hmm. <laughs> a non
1: negotiable. Yeah, no, I, I th- and I think a lot of yeah. women are ashamed of the fact that they do right or that yeah. they're, they, and it, they're and closeters. It and yeah, and it shouldn't be shameful, but it's like
0: it's. It's shameful because we weren't taught that our pleasure mattered. It's shameful because the conditioning of the society is normalized that men watch porn and men masturbate from like around like middle school. But it's not normal that women do it. But that's bullshit. That is not true at all. No, you're right. Definitely. Everyone does it. And the more you talk about sex and the more you masturbate correlates with like how much sexual satisfaction you're gonna have. And I guess general. confidence
1: too, right? Would you think that that helps mm-hmm. with someone's confidence?
0: A hundred percent. Like I even notice, like this is a little trick that I do before I go on a date, before I give a presentation, or even just like you masturbate I, like, in the before morning. I masturbate before all of that. Yeah. Doesn't to go it on, Aren't you tired <laughs> when you have to go to the no. Oh, I'm so no, sleepy. It energizes <laughs> <laughs> me more than coffee in the morning. Like. I notice on days where I masturbate, like, as soon as I wake up, I am glowing You masturbate for as hours. soon as you wake up?
1: Yeah, usually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> yes. That will yeah. be a, everyone's inspiration. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's part, of, it's part of my morning routine. I like to ritualize things. I ritualize my evening going to bed. I ritualize my mornings. So, like, I get up. I let my dog out. I'll put on some like music, some vibes that make me feel good, and I go to town. And that's also sometimes I say affirmations to myself, like "I am beautiful," "I am amazing," "I'm gonna get this yeah. deal." Like yeah. you know, yeah. you can you can add that in yeah. there too to and make they, it yeah. spicy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I yeah. find that like when you start your day pouring into your own cup, whether you masturbate or not, like that's gonna have an incredible effect on the rest of your day. And
1: like, obviously the chemicals, sure. like, the hormones no, you're absolutely right. It's you, so funny. I just did a segment unrelated to this topic um, at a local TV station in Philly on, um, lucky girl syndrome. But I spoke about the importance of being positive. Well, also that the unhealthy aspects of when you take it a little too far, but just sticking totally. on topic for this show, uh, about the, if, if the, the, importance of making affirmations to yourself, because it is mm-hmm. especially first thing in the morning, you can really set yourself up for success. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. It's like, that's, that's when you're the most suggestible. And so like, why wouldn't you do something that's going to help you feel better? Why wouldn't you do something that is going to enhance the rest of your day and help you Mm -hmm. in your work too. And a lot of us don't realize it's like this orgasmic energy, this orgasmic release, whether or not you experience an orgasm or not can help fuel your creativity give you more energy, mm-hmm. make you more focused. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like there's all these benefits to masturbating that don't even have anything to do with sex.
1: That's so true. Oh, totally. Um, all right. So what's your age range of, of the majority of the clients you work with? Does it range? Yeah, I, I have a whole range of clients. I'd say...
0: The youngest, probably. I mean, I have people book sessions with me that are as young as, like, early 20s. And mm-hmm. I have a client right now that is in her late 50s. So oh, it, wow. It okay. T-
1: which, totally Okay, varies. so it ranges the gamut. So that kind of led me to my question in regards to intimacy later in life. So could you talk to us a little bit about the importance of maintaining that? We spoke about how there's ebbs and flows and things change. And you kind of go with it, right? But just, I guess... Um, how, if you have, like, maybe for that 50-year-old range, like, how how the intimacy is obviously still really important. They can still be active. Certainly, well, 50, I'd feel like that's almost my age. Like, I definitely don't consider myself a senior. But, like, even older people, you know, yeah. like, more, like, golden years, like, you know, 65 and up, say, they still get down, 100%, right? 100%. 100% they get down. And a funny stat,
0: I don't know exactly what the number is, but I, I believe – that uh in assisted living facilities the STI rate is higher than that in college campuses that's so So funny
1: funny (laughs) there's actually a community in Florida well they're kind of all over but they're called like the village there's the villages and I think that they have a lot. My friend used to work at Inside Edition, and we had this conversation once, and she did a piece on the rampant race of STDs in these, like, senior communities, because everyone was just, like, don't no, get pregnant, so everyone was just having... Yeah. St- I mean, they weren't getting, like, HIV. They were just getting, like, I don't know, crabs or... God, I don't know. Gross, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, So, that's, that's, yeah, they... That's, that's really good to know, because that's...
0: 50 yeah. year olds be lots so of hope for the future.
1: <laughs> so funny. Um, in terms how of talking intimacy. with your partner about sex? Why is it so tricky for women, especially to have that conversation or to share what we want in the bedroom? Like why, what, what, what are some of our apprehensions that you find, um, or female apprehensions and how do you combat that?
0: Yeah, I'd say, I think number one is just like, societal conditioning is like we're taught we are raised from a young age that we're supposed to like look a certain way be a certain way and we're like raised from childhood to be the perfect partner right we're taught Mm -hmm. to be quiet we're taught to not speak up in class and i mean even in the media we see that women who typically like take up space and have strong opinions are slammed right and so subconsciously Mm -hmm. we're picking up on this of like okay in order for me to be desirable, in order for my partner to love me, in order for my partner to not leave me, I have to be the perfect version of myself in order to keep them, which these are like disempowering thoughts. <laughs> They're not yeah, necessarily true, yeah. but this is what- And exhausting so too, it's a lot of work, work, right? It's so exhausting. It's so exhausting to be living in a version of yourself that you think you need to be in order to be loved. and part of combating that is like allowing at least with my clients is like giving them permission to like take a step back and you know break down the disempowering thoughts okay like what exactly are they what are these belief systems um again like using tools like neurolinguistic programming to actually release that core belief to like eradicate it from <laughs> from your life so that you can actually start creating habits and being able to communicate with your partner a lot of the times um my clients especially have like an anxious attachment style so it's especially exacerbated when their partner is maybe on the more avoidant side or doesn't clearly yeah. communicate or there's yeah. reading between the lines if they don't respond immediately back and so it's giving them the tools to understand and create i don't know like more self-soothing and more like healthy coping mechanisms so that they can come from a place of responding versus reacting and then learn Mm -hmm. how to actually communicate their needs
1: and their desires like hey like how do you do it can you give us an example yeah like say the guy's doing zero for you and it's all about the guy let's take that as an example yeah
0: so in that scenario what i would tell like if you were my client and this is the scenario i would say like hey well, the way to go about this is like sit down and have a conversation. And I think a lot of the times we don't have we don't talk about sex unless we're having it usually or even mm-hmm. in the moment. It's hard to do that. So I'll preface mm-hmm. this. Like, I think it's really important that we start having more conversations about sex on a regular basis, but in a neutral like
1: environment, so, yeah, like, so you're not, not doing, doing it. In the, not, the, the, so don't yeah. do it in the, the heat of the moment, if you will. No, right? Not, not when you're initiating. I do in think it's important. Okay. okay, I do
0: think it's important to give feedback in the act. But if that's not something that's already been there in your relationship, uh, I would say ease into that. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's so important to have these conversations. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, going to your partner and saying like, Hey, like I love connecting with you and I love the intimacy we have, but like, I'll be honest. I haven't had an orgasm in a while, and I've been afraid to tell you because, like, I don't want you to feel like you're doing a bad job. But, like, what would be really good is so. What does the girl do, do? This, this fake it? Set. Do they fake it? Some, a lot of the times, a lot of women fake it, and unfortunately, it's like that just perpetuates the cycle of like not experiencing pleasure because if your partner yeah. thinks that it you're protects getting the off guy, not you or the partner, not, yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. Or a lot of the times, like, they'll just grab their vibrator after and finish the job themselves. I know, like, I've, I haven't had a partner like that in a long time. And I remember there's one time where he was trying to go down on me, and it was terrible. And I pushed him off, and I finished myself. And he was turned on by that, and I kicked him out. And he was like, yeah, like, let's keep dating. I'm like, no, no. Like, you're off my, <laughs> <laughs> you're off my roster now. you're like fired no yeah (laughs) Yeah. like sorry like i no i know what i want i'm not here to train anyone um but in that scenario it's like being being honest with your partner and saying like hey like i'd really love it if we do this um i think also like what's so important is a lot of women don't realize that 80 percent of women require direct clitoral stimulation for usually between 14 and 20 minutes in order to get an orgasm. The yeah. number is different if it's solo. A lot of the times, I think the average length of time is eight minutes when you're solo because you know exactly how to get there. Yeah, you, you know exactly what to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, get right to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Like,
0: but the stat too is that only 20% of women can experience penetrative orgasms, whether that's yeah. your G-spot or cervical yeah. or whatever. And so... Yeah. Really, like the way to solve this is like figuring out, okay, like how can we put more emphasis on foreplay, right? But it's right. not even just foreplay, like the actual like oral or the <coughs> fingering or using toys. It's also like the build up to the event, right? Yeah. It's creating that yeah. intimacy, it's building into that responsive desire to where, like, maybe you're like, I want to sex you in the middle of the day, or like when I come home from work and having a a hard day I want you to like put on some mood music like pour me a glass of wine run me a bath like create a scenario in which I feel
1: more connected to you so yeah and like, not just get it right to it yeah yeah so it's understanding that's, that's the like what's they just want to do it yeah. and that's the end yeah 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 no 150 percent That's all good stuff. Okay, so we're almost out of time, but I really want to get into your multi-orgasmic mini course that you have going on. Can you share a little bit about that and how, if people are interested in kind of um, putting a toe in the water, so to speak, with you, how they can get involved? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So
0: I'm so excited about this uh, multi-orgasmic mini course. It's actually going through a facelift right now. I'm adding even more content. I'm adding, I think like 12 video like trainings within it. And it's Uh basically why I created this was about a month or so ago, I went viral on TikTok sharing how I regularly experience between 10 to 32 orgasms on a regular wow. basis every single time I have partnered intimacy. Wow. And that's every single time. It's usually about 10 when it's like a 20-minute session, closer to 30 when it's like two hours. But I've been known to have like 50-plus if it's even longer than that. Wow. But Okay. The reason why I share this is because I was someone who – didn't always orgasm with sex. I was someone who maybe would have one, but I felt so disconnected to pleasure. I felt so disconnected to my body. And I realized that I was using like men's bodies as a tool for like my stress relief, just like you would grab your, your vibrator for. I was not connected to the experience, I was not present. And so even though I was getting off sometimes, I wasn't really having a good time. And so Uh there was an experience when I was about 24 where I had this partner who gave me permission to really experience pleasure and just receive. And he was the first one who unlocked this ability for me to have multiple orgasms. And that became my non-negotiable and that became my every single time. Whereas before it wasn't that way. And so with this course, like what I do is I, it's a self-guided course where I walk you through. I tell my exact stories on exactly how I was able to get here, um, share a little bit about there's 14 different types of orgasms and like (laughs) how you can experience them and how they feel like. Um, And for me personally, I think it's like understanding that orgasms like don't have to be from sex at all. They can be from (laughs) your nipples they can be from like your ears your neck being kissed it can be an energetic orgasm like i had multiple orgasms in a breathwork workshop in tulum about two years ago and i didn't even touch myself at all and so How did, it, is, is it, it learning- the same
1: sensation as a vaginal like experience oh wow. yeah i feel yeah <laughs> for this class. yeah Yeah, so (gasps) it's so cool. Interesting.
0: Okay, keep going. Because I was learning that about, like, my body and what feels good and what doesn't and giving myself permission to explore and also only be with partners who actually care about my pleasure and know that orals are non-negotiable and I won't even, like, look in a direction with someone who doesn't care about my pleasure. So it's, like, giving you all of the education, the tools, the resources in order to, like, Learn how to be a multi orgasmic yourself, and then you also you should change your last I, name,
1: Catherine, to, to your what scale? Scale. <laughs> I
0: know that was a
1: nickname growing up. Yes. No. I'm so sorry. That was yeah, so bad no, of me. No, it's okay. So like, literally, so that's good. what I was thinking though as you are talking. Keep <laughs> yeah. going, keep going. That was like really yeah. bad. <laughs> no,
0: it's fine. It's good. No, that was the nickname growing up. So I love that. No, um and that was obviously It's been a long day. Go ahead, and continue no it's all good um but yeah basically like it's a guide where i give you all the tools in order for you to learn more about your body learn more about pleasure learn about all the different types of orgasms i share my personal stories and also give like recommendations on like products that i personally use and like that can enhance pleasure for you. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's completely like self-guided. I have a PDF guide. I'm adding like 12 videos in there right now. And it's something Mm -hmm. that you can do that you can access like Mm -hmm. on your own time. And it's perfect whether you're single or partnered, Mm-hmm. Or even like for if there's any men out here too who want to please their mm-hmm. partner. They want to get some education <laughs> about the
1: lady or get the yeah. to get the lady. Um, so yeah. how do they sign up? How do, what's the cost? Yeah, the cost right now
0: is $49.99. And I actually set up That's a discount bad. code for all of your listeners. If you use the code race for the ring, you get $10 off.
1: Oh, cool. Get a little deal on that. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Love it. Love it. All right. How can everybody find you? Can you share? Are you on social, obviously? Um, I'm on
0: social. I'm mostly on TikTok. My handle is at I am Catherine Drysdale on both TikTok and Instagram.
1: Or you can learn more about me on my website is yourpleasurepath.com. Okay, awesome. Thank you for being with us. Great information. Hope everybody's a little happier after listening (laughs) to this show. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Race for the Ring. Today's episode was produced and edited by Danielle Gordon. I appreciate your ear and insight. And if you like today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast. Be sure to check out my latest book, You Don't Need to Be a Bitch to Be a Boss. It's on Amazon and anywhere and everywhere books are sold. And be sure to say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Mindy.Barnett. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.